Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. morning. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you here at this service. Um, my name is Tim. As I said, I'm a senior pastor here. It, I just want to say thanks to the pit crew, uh, those who preached for me last Sunday. Uh, you know, they did a fantastic job. I've listened to the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Brian, Doug, and Lauren. Um, that's what we do here at the church, just like all this going on for our children and Vine kids. We want to reproduce. We want to give away what we have. And Part of that is, uh, is even preaching and pastoring and finding lives and young lives and men and women who want to preach the gospel, men and women who want to be a part of a church and leading or, or preaching, maybe planning a church or whatever. We want to come alongside. We want to be a church that reproduces itself. And so uh, thank you for supporting them. They did, a, like I said, a great job. They launched our new series, the I Am Jesus series last week with I Am the Good Shepherd. There are seven I am sayings in the Gospel of John where Jesus uses that, I am. And today we're going to look at one uh, that says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It's in John eight twelve. If you have your Bible or your app or whatever, it'll be up on the screens too because I want us to say this verse together. This is John eight twelve. So here we go. You ready? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's say it again. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father, we ask you to bless our time together this morning. Uh, help me, Lord, in my weakness, give me this, the gift of teaching. Uh, Holy Spirit, we surrender to you for you to teach this word, to teach us what it means to have Christ in us, to have the light of life in us. Say, so, Lord, thank you. Amen. Amen. Some of you heard my story a few uh, months ago about uh, when I was very young, my brothers and I would walk to the movies and we would come back late in the evenings and there would be one light hanging by the train depot. And as we crossed the tracks, yes, we lived on the wrong side of the tracks, at least on the other side of the tracks. The town was here and we were on this side of it. And we would leave town and there was that one lonely light. And when we were heading out after watching the, the scary shows on Saturday night, uh, we would be talking and kidding around and joking. But as we got further from the light and it got darker and darker, our pace picked up a little faster. And then by the time we hit the curve in the road, we were running and weren't talking because there was not much light left. It's like we flee darkness and all we wanted to see was the light that was in my parents' garage. And once I could see that light, I knew I could head home. Light. The thing about light is no amount of darkness when you have a light can really crush it out, can it? I mean, if you even have a small candle when we do our candlelight services here, you can turn out every light. You can be in a dark cave, but if you've got a small light, it pushes back all of that darkness. Darkness never sweeps in. 
and crushes down the light. But the light always expels the darkness. In the midst of this, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Why? Because he's the light. But will have the light of life. Will have the light of life. Any of you guys have night lights at home? I said night light, not night life. But uh, uh, check out this night light. Wouldn't this help you when you're walking down the hall at night? I mean, you're walking down the hall at night and you're like creeped out a little bit. And then you're back. You know, that's... Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. That's not helping me very much. But I kind of like this next one, uh, this nightlight. Uh, but then again, you may feel like a uh, UFO is about to drop on you, and <laughs> probing is not, uh, no. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, darkness and light. Light has always been synonymous with God, with the goodness of God, with the brightness of God's presence. And darkness has been synonymous with evil, with Satan, with with the bad part of life that we don't want to be a part of. And um, today in our passage of Scripture, <clears throat> excuse me, there's an argument going on. The minute Jesus mentioned this in uh, John 8 and 12, it says the Pharisees in verse 13, <clears throat> sorry, the Pharisees uh, challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And as you read on through John 8, it's just an argument. And Jesus hangs in there with them. And it all is precipitated by this statement, I am the light of the world. Now at the end of this argument, you go to the ninth chapter in the first verse. And what does Jesus do? He heals a blind man. I mean, he's teaching on being the light of the world. What a way to reinforce the fact that I am the light of the world. Here's a guy who has been blind from birth, John 9, 1 says, and he heals him. But what you may be missing is that on the other side of this story and this declaration is a story about a woman in John, 1, in John 8, 1. And I want to back up to that story because I believe these two incidents, the story in John 8, 1, and then the healing of the blind men in John 9, 1 are like bookends to the declaration that I am the light of the world. And so let's back up and let's read this. Now, let me, let me give you a little the, the, theological input here. This story that's in John 8, 1 probably wasn't written by John. There are some passages, there's a couple of words and phrases in this story that make it look a little bit like Luke could have wrote it, but we don't know exactly who wrote this story. But we know that the church fathers took this story and they placed it in the right place. This was a well-known story at the time, this story of a woman called in adultery. And so in John, that's why if you've got your Bible, if anybody takes the hot rod out instead of the speedster models on your app, um, you would see that it's in italics. And so, but it was placed here. It was placed here by the wisdom of the church fathers. And I believe it's exactly where it should be. Because it is a beautiful bookend. It's on one side of the story. And then the blind man being healed is on the other side. And in the middle is Jesus' declaration that I am the light of the world. So let's, let's read the story. Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. 
In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Wow. So Jesus is in the temple. He walked into the temple. You've seen movies where Jesus is riding in the ground, right? You've seen that. But this story takes place in the very church of the Jews, in the temple. Probably Jesus was already sitting. He had some disciples, people that wanted to listen to him around him. And so he's teaching away. There might be other teachers in the temple as well. You're going to hear more about the setting at the end of the sermon. And, uh, and so at, they hear this ruckus and they turn around and here are some men maybe dragging in this woman who has nothing on but maybe more than just a small towel to cover up. These men have actually caught her in the very act of adultery. That means that somehow they have walked in on, on her and a man having sex. And they have taken her and dragged her to the temple. Talk about humiliation. Dragged her into the temple with all the people there and with Jesus there up to the front of him. And says she's caught in the very act. Law says she should die. What do you say? They have her stand embarrassment. She can't even hide around, around the edges of the, the crowd that's gathered there. They make her stand. Now, this is quite the question. Let me ask you, if you were there and they dragged this woman in and they said the law says that she deserves to be stoned, what do you say, Seacoast Vineyard? What do you say? She's caught, right? She's caught in the act. You ever been caught in something? Dead to rights. No way out of it. Exposed. Completely exposed to failure in whatever area of life. There. That's where this woman is. Well, if Jesus says, yeah, go ahead and stone her, then the woman's killed. And... uh if he says, no, don't, then it sounds like he is against all the law that has come before him. And so what a position to be in. How do you get out of this? Jesus is pretty good in dealing with situations like this. You got three fill-ins in your handout this morning if you want to take them out uh, of your bulletin. And uh, we'll make it to the light, the last fill-in. But I want to set this up so you can take the most from this this morning. And that is the law. Let's start with the law. Because Jesus is making his declaration about him being the light of the world right after this lady has been pulled in to the temple, caught in adultery. The law reveals our guilt. The law reveals our guilt. Now, this is a huge theological point. 
And this is something that most of us don't even like to talk about because we don't like to feel guilty. We don't want anybody to tell us we're guilty, do you? You're just putting your stuff on me, man. You know, I don't feel guilty about it. We don't like it. We don't like to be called guilty. We don't want anyone to tell us that we're guilty. We don't like to feel guilt. But the law of the land, the law of Moses at this time, had laws that would tell you whether you were guilty or not. And according to the laws, was she guilty? Was she? Let me ask you this. How many of you could stand up to the Ten Commandments this morning? Like if we just threw them up on the wall and we went through a checklist and we said, okay, let's start with this one. And then we'll have people, yeah, I've never done that, man. You know, stand up. And we make our way around the auditorium. How many of us would make it through that list? How many? I mean, a lie, right? You ever lied? You ever told a fib? How many lies does it take to be a liar? I mean, this is rough, isn't it? It's tough, yeah. But the law reveals that we're in desperate need. Matter of fact, we can't even appreciate Jesus or what he's saying here or who he is without realizing our guilt. We can't. A friend of mine brought a guitar to me. This is many, many years ago. It was a nice guitar. He said, would you take it to your luthier? That's a guitar repairman. Would you take it to your luthier and let him set up my guitar? I said, sure, I'll be glad to do that. And so I took it to my office. I had a business at the time. I took it and I put it in my office. It was a nice guitar. Matter of fact, it was so nice, I liked playing it. And I just kind of let it linger in my office a little while. And then one day he showed up. And uh, he said, hey, did you take my guitar to, to your luthier? And I'm thinking, oh, man. So I said, uh, yeah, I'll go get it tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Yeah, that's the ticket. You know, that's it. I'll go pick it up. I'll go pick it up tomorrow. About that time, the pastor walked in, right in behind me, saying that to this friend. And, and when the pastor walked in, they both kind of walked toward me, and my friend turned suddenly to the left, and there was this guitar sitting right by my desk, busted, busted. Never forget it. My pastor turned to me, and he looked at me, and he said this. He said, you know, if you ever want to be an elder in the church, if you ever want to be an elder in this church, I don't have elders. I don't have liars on my board. Never forgot it. So put me down for lying. Put me down for lying. How about lust? Have you ever appreciated God's creation just a little bit too much? A <laughs> little bit too much. A little bit too much. Now, how much lust does it take? Before you've committed adultery in your heart. How much less before you're called an adulterer? For you're guilty of the law and you're guilty of it. Guilty of lying. How about stealing? Ever took a pen home from work? <laughs> you ever stole anything? Taken something that wasn't yours? How many pieces of things or stuff do you have to steal before you are a thief? How about using the Lord's name in vain, golfers and surfers? <laughs> Come on, don't shout me down. Um, have you ever used God's word when it wasn't used in a beautiful you know, a declaration of his awesomeness and goodness? Have you ever used him to curse something or, or used him in some way that you shouldn't? Come on. How many times can you do that? 
before you're a blasphemer. You see, this is important. Because if we don't understand how guilty we are, the next step in this whole place that we're going with Jesus as the light doesn't mean a thing. You can't appreciate Jesus. I can't appreciate Jesus till I see the great need I have for him. If I don't feel guilty for the way I've been in the state of my life before now, Jesus doesn't mean that much to me. He doesn't count as much for me. I don't need him as much as I do if I don't realize my guilt. My guilt. I mean, we might as well just come clean and say, we are a bunch of lying, thieving, blasphemous adulterers here today. Let's just say it. Let's just say it. We'll do anything to cover up our, uh, our guilt and our sin. Uh, this Studying this and researching this reminded me of a story of a state trooper friend. No, not any of them that come here. This was years ago. But a state trooper friend of mine who told me this story, he was riding, following this truck, and uh, he said that suddenly the hand went out the window like this, and there was a piece of trash in his hand, like a hamburger wrapping or something. And, and my friend said he's riding behind him going, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> you know, he's got guys driving along. And, and my friend's right there in the patrol car right behind him. He's like, don't be an idiot. Don't, I'm going to have to stop you. You're doing it right in front of me. Don't do it. And sure enough, after a couple of miles, doop, he drops it. So my friend turns on the lights, pulls the guy over to the side of the road, gets out, flips his ticket book open, walks over to the side of the window, and he starts writing. And the guy goes, what are you doing? He says, I'm writing you a ticket. He said, for what? He said, for littering. He said, I didn't litter. He said, I saw you. I've been following you for miles. You had a wrapping in your hand, and you dropped it out. You even rode down the road with it like this. Oh, no, you're mistaken. I didn't do that. And they went back and forth for probably a minute or so. And then finally the guy says, I know what you saw. I had two or three men riding in the back of my truck a while ago. They worked for me, and they were eating their lunch. It must have been their lunch flying out the back of the truck. And my friend said, no, I saw you. He said, no, it had to be their stuff. All their stuff, you know how they leave it around, and it just flies out the back of the truck. And so my friend David says, he goes, okay, you sure? He said, absolutely. So David moves that ticket away where he was writing, starts writing another one. And the guy goes, what are you doing? He says, I'm writing you a ticket. He said, for what? I told you I didn't do it. He said, for dumping. (laughs) And he said, well, how much is dumping? He said, $1,000. He said, well, how much was littering? $200. And the guy goes, no, no, I did. I put it out of the, you know. So he wrote the ticket and gave him the $1,000 ticket. I mean, he, he said, man, he made a strong case for himself. You know, let's see, see what he does with the judge now. <laughs> we will do anything we can to try to make ourselves feel less guilty. We will argue. We will put it behind us. We'll try not to remember it, but the law exposes our guilt. Leaves us in a position of going, is anybody out there to help us? So Jesus is standing there. This woman caught in the very act. We haven't heard from her yet. Is thrown down. She gets up. They ask, should we stone her to death? That's what the law says. Jesus stoops down. I love this too. Stooping down. And he starts writing in the sand. Now, you've seen the movies, right? You've seen him do this. 
And we don't know what he's writing. He could be writing those men's sins. Like he looks at each one and he writes down liar, you know, in the position. We don't know what he's writing. He could be writing down the names of people who had had sex with this woman. The way the scripture is written here is that this woman may have been engaged, the wording. And, uh, and she was having sex with another man and caught in the act. And we don't know exactly. It could have been Jeremiah seventeen thirteen that he was writing that says, Those who turn away from you will be written in dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Maybe he was writing from the Old Testament back to them. We just don't know. But we know this. She was guilty. She was guilty. So Jesus, after he writes in the sand, in the temple floor, he says, Let you who are without sin cast the first stone. And that phrase, let you who are without sin, means you who are without this sin cast the first stone. Go ahead, if you're innocent. Jesus is still writing in the sand. You know what I like about that? Jesus is in a position and a posture of being a servant to everyone at that moment. Down on his knees. when He was the only one without sin in that circle. And he is down on his knees serving that woman and trying to appeal to that crowd. And it says they went away, what, from the oldest to the youngest, right? What do you think, what do you think the oldest left first? More sin. <laughs> you know, I would like to think, in defense of old guys, I would like to think, I would like to think that it's because we're smarter. And we went, oh, I get where, where this is going. I'm getting out of here, you know, like a little quicker before. Let the younger guys, they'll catch up later. Uh, but, but, yeah, we don't know, but I'm, I'm like you. I think probably what was written in the sand was hitting those guys and they're going, yeah, that's me, liar, blasphemer, adulterer, that's me, that thief. And so they leave. They go, I'm not throwing the stone. Actually, the only one, the only one who really could have picked that stone up was who? Yeah, but he was stooping down in the sand at the time, writing with his finger in the temple floor. And so they all leave. And your second fill-in is this. This is where we see the grace of God. The love reveals God's grace. The law reveals our guilt. The love of God reveals God's grace. The love reveals God's grace. Because it's God's grace when we hear that she's, him saying, Go and sin no more. Go. go. You, neither do I condemn you, he says. Where are your accusers? And she goes, they're not here. And he goes, neither do I. That's the grace of God, right? Neither do I. And we love the grace of God. We love it. And we linger and we lean into the grace of God all the time. Many of you are lingering into it right now because you have faced these issues uh, of morality or you have fallen in certain places and you lean into the grace constantly. God, I've read these stories about your amazing grace and you cover me and and you say that you're not condemning me either. And you lean into that grace of God. But that's not the whole story here. That's not. And that's great. And that's good news. But that's not the whole story. Because that's not everything Jesus offers when he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. 
we do have an accuser. It's not Jesus. And Jesus didn't accuse that woman at that time. In the book of Revelation, it tells us that Satan is the accuser. So God doesn't come along and accuse you, but he will convict you of breaking the laws. But he doesn't accuse you. If you've got voices in your head and your heart that tells you you will never make it, that you're ugly, that you're untalented, that nobody loves you, nobody cares about you, that is not God. That's not the way he talks to people. That is the accuser, the devil, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. Jesus has come that we might have life and have it to the fullest. That's the light of God for us. And that is the grace of God. But the grace leads us somewhere, and this story is so good about it. But listen, is it just grace? Is this where we end in that, that he says to this woman, Okay, I don't condemn you either, so when you leave from here, just... You know, I know you got I know you got problems with men. I know you do. And I know it's tough for you to find a good relationship. So when you leave from here, would you just try not, try not to get into any more sexual relationships for a while? Would you just try that? Maybe go for a month. Just try it for a month. Would you okay, all right. I mean, is that what he says? I mean neither does he say to us, Oh, I know you're a red, hot blooded person. And I know you can't control your body. I know that. So I understand you have to look at porn. And I understand you have to do this. And I understand you have to do this. So would you just try to, just try not to do it as much? Just try not to. Does he do that? He doesn't talk that way to us, does he? He doesn't just want us to try. It's not about trying. To that woman, there's like this sense of urgency. Go and what? Leave. Go somewhere else. Don't stay where you are. Go and leave your life of sin. Go leave your life of sin. Do you get this? Go. There's, a, there's like Jesus is not going to let this linger too long. He wants her to know that in this moment and at this time, is when she needs to be empowered to see her life change for the good. Go and leave your life of sin. There's an urgency to it. And this, these bookends to this story of I am the light of the world with the blind man being healed and, you know, over in John 8, uh, 9, 1, and then with the woman cult, caught in adultery over in John 8, and then Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, right in the middle of it. There's a reason for that. You've got the blindness, our blindness that's in our life, and we've got our sins that we are failed at over and over again. And now we maybe, maybe you will get the gift of being caught. Because when you're caught and exposed, you have an enormous opportunity. I know it's humiliating. Can you imagine this woman, what she went through? She had an enormous just gift given to her at that moment in time because her life could change. It was all out. It was there. Now what are you going to do with it? And Jesus says, go now. While the energy is here, go. While you feel my presence, while you feel me saying, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave what you brought here into the temple at my feet here. Go. And leave this life of sin. Leave it here with me. Leave it. And this is your last fill-in. And that is that the light 
reveals our hope. The light reveals our hope. Let me close this out with setting up how all of this happened. This is during the Feast of Tabernacles. since a very busy time in the temple. There is a part of the Feast of Tabernacles called the Festival of Lights. I told you nobody could write this stuff. Only God can weave all these stories together. The Festival of Lights is in the, what's called the Court of Women. There's the Court of the Gentiles and there's a Court of Women. Now in this court, there were four tall lamps. So tall and up on uh, like a pole like this that the Levite, the priest would have to come on, put a ladder up against the pole. And there were four bowls around the top where you would pour the oil in and light them. So you have four poles with four lamps. That's how many lights? Sixteen lights, right? Sixteen lights uh, there. Jesus is mentioned as the light of, of the world sixteen times, by the way. Just maybe a possibility or something. I don't know. It's kind of weird. And, uh, but sixteen lights. In the middle of this going on as the lights and the Levites are there, this woman is dra- dragged right into the middle of this ceremony. Right in the middle of this, Jesus stands up after this and goes, I am the light of the world. You get this? Nobody can make this stuff up. Jesus, you see, the Bible speaks to us through the culture that existed at the time. People go, why can't it just be here for us now? Well, if he started now, he would use the rituals and all that we have. But he used what was there at the time. And one of the things that people valued was the Feast of Tabernacles in this era. And the Feast of Lights was a joyous time. The Levites would be dancing around. Uh, There's stories that the lights from the Feast of Lights would just come out of the temple and just it would be such a bright object in Jerusalem that people would come out in the streets to see it. And in the midst of this, Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Boom! Somebody say amen. Help me out. please. Because talking about dramatic, it doesn't get any more beautiful than that than coming on the world stage, which that was the world at that time. With one book in of a woman caught in her sins and adultery and darkness. And the other end, a man who was blind from birth. Jesus healing him. Jesus freeing this woman saying, go and leave your life of sin. And Jesus in the middle, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. But you will have the light of life. You see, it's not only grace that God gives us. It's hope in the light of the world that Christ gives us for change lasting change and some of you guys came in here this morning and you're camped out right at that second point of the grace of God and surely God forgives you and he is there to look at you and go neither do I condemn you but he is also saying get up go and leave your life of sin I am the light of the world and if you'll follow me there's no darkness in me if you follow me you will have the light of life in you. And I can heal you completely. Where well, you can be free to be everything that God ever dreamed for you to be. Don't just stop at the wonderful, beautiful act of grace. But move to hope. A hope 
for change. And I know this morning in here right now, there's many of us, we have, we have been down so many times and brokenhearted so many times, we have learned to live with being there. And I hope this morning you know that Jesus is standing right in the middle of that, going, I'm the light of the world. If you'll get up and follow me, there's not going to be any darkness in your life. And I will give you the light of life. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.